Hanging with Crit Fail. My name is Adam, aka Raven Insane, and we have other members of Crit Fail hanging with us today, and they are. I am Emily. I am Ghost. And I'm Special Patrol. And we are excited to announce a collaboration with the World Anvil Publishing on a series of Dead Air Season videos related to the role-playing game. We play a lot of different role-playing games and are really excited to give Dead Air a try. So what are we gonna cover? We're going to cover aspects of creating a community and characters. You might be interested to know that creating a character in Dead Air Seasons is not the first thing you actually do. The idea is, is to look at the community as a whole. Uh, it's a place where you live, survive, and build relationships with NPCs. It is then, and only then, that you determine how your character fits in all this. What kind of character may or may not be suited for a place where you live. But first, we're going to talk about the setting and the Monad ecosystem. Dead Air Seasons is a post-apocalyptic tabletop role-playing game that has been inspired by such films as The Last of Us, Annihilation, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, Planet of the Apes, Mad Max, 28 Days Later, just to name a few. It's an alternate reality to our own, and it centres around the stories and struggles of humanity surviving in communities after a cataclysmic event has occurred. This event being the result of humanity's attempt to try and fix the world as we know it, and now nature is fighting back. Much of technology has been lost, making it even more challenging to survive. Humans introduced this thing called panacea to the world that was considered a gift that would remove human pollutants from the environment. It was intended to be humanity's salvation. It ended up turning out to be their blight. The blight nearly succeeded at removing all pollutants, but it also succeeded in removing nearly all of the source of pollution, that being humanity. Now, humanity struggles to survive beneath a suffocating weight of the Crimson Mantle. The blight has infested every corner of the globe. It exists in everything. It's also said to in, uh, exist in all humans. And when humans finally die, they end up turning into awakened creatures. And this isn't exclusive to humans. When the same process happens to animals, the result is known as chimera. When the hosts finally pass, the decaying flesh sinks into the ground, known as crimson zones, and these zones end up releasing red spores into the winds, creating what is known as the crimson winds, to go on to further infect 
the world. So to play in this wonderful world, Dead Air Seasons uses a system of rules called the Monad Ecosystem. It is a fast-paced style of play that minimizes the breaks needed to consult rules or game mechanics while giving players the abundant freedom of action. And it focuses more on the narratives and cinematic style of play. Now, before we uh, go on to make a character, as we mentioned previously, all players come together to create a community. So we shall go forth onto community creation. <laughs> Seasons focuses less on individual characters and centers the story around the community. The community that you are going to create is made up of survivors who have banded together hoping to better survive the blight and maybe one day even return to a world without it. The community should be the basis of all choices that the characters make rather than what they individually want or need to do. The needs of the community and its goals should be put first. The community can also grow and change. Actions you take will decide its fate. It could grow and flourish or, depending on what you do, fall into ruin. The community is so much more than just a place for the characters to return between missions. It is also where you're going to form most of your emotional bonds and is in itself the reason for the decisions that need to be made and the missions that need to be accomplished. You're also not the only community out there. There are others, and whether they are allies or foes depends on the actions that you take. Unlike player characters, the community cannot be created individually, and players should work collaboratively with the help of the Master of the Blight to create their community. <laughs> Before we really get into how to create the community, let's take a look at the community sheet. Now, not everything on here needs to be filled out during community creation. Things like the event counter, seasons counter, and community journal are areas that are not going to come into play quite yet. What we are going to be filling out is the community name, notes, descriptors, and gifts. There are also other sheets that you can take a look at later on into community creation, things like the region and the support NPCs. But for now, let's just look at the main community sheet. The first step in community creation is coming up with a community concept. Now, this is basically an outline of the main features of your community, and you can have it as a point form list, a short paragraph, whatever works best for you. Now, to come up with your concept, you're first going to come up with community cornerstones. Cornerstones are words or short phrases that express interesting, unique, or important things about your community, whether that be physical features or more abstract concepts. There are two phases to coming up with community cornerstones, so we're going to go through those one by one. Phase 
step in coming up with your community cornerstones is the proposal phase. Here, each player is going to individually make a list of one to three cornerstones. Again, those are very short ideas, a word, a phrase, something like dense forest, remote, ocean, but one to three of those that they would like to see in the community. And you do need a minimum of five across the entire group. Not every cornerstone is necessarily going to make it into the final community concept, but that is okay. They're all going to help spark ideas and discussion, and it is definitely good to have a variety to choose from in the next phase. Now, when our group was making our community, I know we had eight cornerstones at the end. I had come up with Old Cellar, Lookout Point, and a locked door that nobody can open. We also had from other players in the group a flooded city, crystals growing out of the ground, uh, encroaching forest, an abandoned butterfly conservatory, and simply mysterious. Now, if you are having trouble coming up with cornerstones, there is also a list of questions in the core book that can help prompt ideas there. Once the players have made their lists, you can move on to the next phase, harmonization. Here, the players are going to share their ideas with the rest of the group, and with the help of the Master of the Blight, everyone will collectively choose the ones they think are best suited to what they're looking for in the game. Now, there's also the potential to create new cornerstones at this phase, and there's a couple reasons you may want to. If the discussion and choosing different cornerstones sparked new ideas, you could definitely create new cornerstones based on that. Or if there were two cornerstones that seemed to almost go together, but just not quite, you could create a new cornerstone to bridge the gap. There's also the potential that one player's ideas maybe just didn't really mesh with the rest of the groups, and you can offer them the chance to create new cornerstones, but of course, they don't have to. Now, when our group was in the harmonization phase, I know there were a couple things that just sort of leapt out to us as going together really well right off the bat. For example, mysterious and the locked door no one could open got merged into a mysterious door that confuses everyone in the community. Everyone really liked the idea of the butterfly conservatory, so we decided to stick with that. But then the player that had come up with the idea of the lost city said that while he liked the conservatory, he felt like if we took that, we couldn't use the flooded city. Now, we were actually able to combine those two and the lookout to create a flooded city that a butterfly conservatory sits on a hill overlooking. In the end, we were able to come up with ones that we really thought would be good in our game and ones that we were happy to build our community around. <laughs> Once you're happy with your cornerstones, you are ready to create your character concept. Write a few lines from the perspective of the survivors in your community, including the cornerstones you just created. Based on your concept, you can also come up with a name for your community. So the concept that we came up with was, we are a group of survivors operating out of an abandoned butterfly conservatory. We are able to grow our own food, but we need to keep the generators fueled. The conservatory is located on a hill, giving us a good vantage point of the land around. 
The city below is flooded, and what remains of buildings have been taken over by vines and mosses. Also in the conservatory is a mysterious door that no one has been able to open. Water is readily available, but must be purified, and travel can be difficult without a boat. Based on this concept, we decided to name our community the Oasis. So, at this stage in community creation, you should have a name and a concept based on the cornerstones that you created. The next step that you're going to be taking a look at is community descriptors. Now that the concept has been created, it is used to form the descriptors in the community. These are short sentences that help establish some strengths and problems that the community will have. These are associated in three key areas, security, society, and resources. And, like the other aspects in the community creation process, this is a group activity with all the players working on ideas that will help shape where the characters will call home. Descriptors are very useful. They give both the players and the Master of the Blight a better understanding of the history and key features of the community. However, mechanically, they can also allow a character to spend Soma during a position and defense check. While there is a great amount of options in choosing the descriptors, they must connect to the concept and how the community represents those aspects. Be creative with your ideas. Dead Air Seasons is not without cooperation, but it is still a very dangerous world. From bandits to the blight, it is vital that a community is protected. The security descriptor covers just that, and this can cover a few different aspects. Physical defences, barricades, both makeshift or permanent. Is your community location one that is difficult to get to? Is there a clever leader or well-trained militia? Resources may seem to not be as important as security, and while it is true that an undefended settlement will not last long. However, the resources that the community have is its lifeblood. It affects what it can do, how often its inhabitants must go into the wilderness to find the items they need. What does your community have? Farmland, animals, tools, vehicles, weapons, medicine. How self-sufficient is the community? Where and how do you obtain the things you require? Is it partly through trade with travellers or other communities? Are some of your members qualified to do certain tasks that can be loaned out, or enough members to act as a workforce for hire? The last one is society. What is it that allows the community to function and not fall apart? This does not mean that there are no difficulties, conflicts or disagreements, but there is enough unity at its core to see through these things. What is the atmosphere of your community? What makes it work? Fear? Friendship? A sense of belonging? Are they like the 1970s hippie movement, more of a commune and non-violent? Is it more militant, religious, or just people trying to get by in a difficult world? What cultures has it established? Is the leader a businessman or a teacher? And are they taking the lessons from those environmental cultures and using them here? Does the community support its leaders? Are they loyal to one another and the community's values? There is a lot to unpack here, and remember the descriptors themselves are relatively brief. Everyone should share ideas at this stage. Be creative. Take your time, but don't get stuck making it too big or complex. This is a starting point, not an ending. The descriptor should be written from the point of view of the community and not the players. 
The Master of Blight shouldn't be too heavy-handed in their involvement in this stage. However, they should support the players and ask questions and have suggestions to help the players grow or solidify an idea, especially if they have a good idea but are struggling to develop it. The concept is where they should look, as it is here that the base idea for the community exists. The first step is to decide the positive aspect. Once that is completed, the players then decide on a problem that is connected to that. Here are the descriptors we have for our community. Security. Isolated Oasis. We have a good vantage point to keep watch over the surrounding area, and the water of the flooded city keeps many out. We have some equipment in our base, and the fact that our community is specialised leads other communities to value our continued existence. Our equipment is older, however, and anything that could be scavenged from the surrounding area is water damaged. Resources. Abundance. We are able to grow our own food and basic medical plants in our greenhouse and trade those for resources that we can't produce. We have basic farming tools and a stockpile of seeds. We have a boat that can be used for transportation and missions to find other resources. However, we require fuel for generators to keep our greenhouse operational and frequently need to send people in search or trade for it. Society. Melting pot. The community shares the same goals, but have different reasons for doing so. People from a variety of backgrounds thrown together can lead to conflicts, but people realise their disagreements are not worth breaking the community apart. While there are no official leaders, a few strong personalities have stepped to the front to take charge. Decision-making can take longer due to the different opinions of community members. Now, one last note on descriptors. They can change at the end of a crisis, if the events and decisions have led to such an outcome. <laughs> to gifts. Community gifts are a powerful mechanic. The players will use the descriptors which have fleshed out more of the community and that gives ideas for what gifts fit. There is a full section on gifts and there are a decent amount to choose from. The players should choose carefully as they do provide a strong influence on the story. The decision on what gifts to select is by mutual agreement. It might not be possible to have one that fits perfectly. However, if that is the case the players should find one that is closest. There is more than 20 to select from, and it should not be a problem in most cases. Just like descriptors, the gifts could change at the end of a crisis, if the events or character choices have made that happen. Gifts can only be used once per crisis, so when and how to use them is an important decision and one that the whole group must make. One gift is chosen for each of security, resources, and society. As there are a few to look at, and they shape the community both in terms of mechanics and narratively, it is suggested to take some time and share ideas on them. The group then decides what ones to take. We came at each of our gifts in a different way, and there was a discussion on how they worked with the descriptors and the gifts mechanics. For security we selected Eagle's Nest. This wasn't as easy a task as we originally thought. The hill and flooding were obvious elements to consider. We did lean into perimeter defences, but it made it feel a bit too much of a militant butterfly conservatory that needed to guard itself from its customers. Eagle's Nest made more sense. This made the settlement's elevated position one of observation. The community cannot be taken by surprise, and it also acts as an effective vantage point over the surrounding area. For resources we chose Scout, and this took some time to decide. We considered a point of interest. 
but with the flooded state of the immediate area that in the end seemed not a good fit. Scout was chosen as this allows nomadic travellers to stay with us. They could then trade for goods or offer goods as payment for shelter, and once per crisis they can find something we need, a resource, location or information. For society, we went with Promised Land. The choice here is in some ways the hardest. While all gifts must reflect your community, there is more leeway in security and resources. This is not a bad thing. It helps to stay true to your concept. If a peaceful commune was the concept, then it would not make sense to have the military discipline gift. We considered a couple of different ones, but Emily liked Promised Land from the start, partly because it related to our name of Oasis, but it also seemed to fit. We are known for our crops, medicine, and an overall sense of usefulness in the region. It has made it better for other communities to trade and work with us, rather than have conflicts. Now your gifts are done, but you're not quite finished yet. step in community creation is the community region. Now the region is the stage upon which the characters and their communities' stories are told, one crisis after another. Keep in mind that Dead Air Seasons is set in a world that is similar to, but not identical to our own. In addition, the blight has changed the world as we know it quite significantly. Now, the region includes a geographical area where the adventures take place, the type of landscape and details that further characterise them. It's critical for the Master of the Blight to take note of all the ideas that emerge during this phase so that they can uh, build these into the region to enrich the area and add further details and new adventure ideas. Each region will have sectors that expand on the region and these might introduce new challenges and opportunities for the characters. Keep in mind that uh, at the start of the uh, campaign, uh, each character or the, the, the players might not own, might not necessarily be aware of all the sectors in their region. They might only be aware all of one or two. Now it's recommended to uh, use a template in the book. Now the template um, contains name, okay, so that allows the players to identify the area, an overview, which is a short description of what the characters might find there, keywords that uh, define the characteristics of that sector, uh, points of interest, so, uh, you know, are there natural or man-made elements that draw the attention of those that live or pass through those areas, uh, key you know, uh, distinctive features, okay, a list of opportunities, resources, dynamics or dangers that are specific to that sector. Um, settlements and communities, so, um, and interactions between them. And finally, hooks and crises. So uh, players and master of the blight can come up with um, uh, some interesting hooks and crises that might be related to the area. The next step in Dead Air Seasons is to create support NPCs. And while this is an optional step for more familiar players, um, it is definitely worth a revisit for new players to come back after they have 
stepped out into the world of uh, Dead Air Seasons. Now, the community is the focal point uh, of the game where, obviously, the players live and survive. And, and the NPCs are there to try and bring the community alive. So the NPCs aren't these grey things in the background that just make up the community. There are going to be a few key NPCs that have at least colour to them, that are brought to the forefront, that allow the characters uh, and the players uh, to interact with those characters or the NPCs um, in order to build relationships and to uh, develop bonds with them as well. Now, support NPCs might not necessarily be created right away. Um, they can be introduced uh, through the uh, telling of a story or a crisis, um, but they're, you know, through the narrative of creation of the community, there might be key NPCs that are brought up, um, you know, leaders and uh, people who might be needed for key things. They will be the support NPCs. And support NPCs, as opposed to regular NPCs, are created collaboratively and in greater detail, and in some cases can be used by the players as an alternative to um, their own characters because their own character might be away or not in the scene specifically. Now, there's two types of support NPCs. There's ones with partial profiles and they're the ones that are used um, uh, primarily by the Master of the Blight. And then you have the ones with the full profiles and they're the ones um, that have more depth to them and are able to be controlled by the players themselves. And they contain all the information that's needed to be played by the players. And now that the players understand the community in which they live, the next step is to create a character. So in the next video, Crit Fail members are going to come together and collaboratively create their characters. Do you guys have anything to say? I found the community aspect uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, for for me, that actually ended up being initially the most interesting appeal. I liked the idea of building the community. I liked the idea of it being a focal point and growing, and especially things affecting it. I think a lot of times things become rather static in games. They're created and then they exist. But that's not the case with the community in dead air it changes it grows and i think that's a really interesting and important part that it can't be overlooked i 
I think the fact that you create the community first really emphasizes how important the game, because in a lot of games, everyone would come up with their, and then you try and work how they all fit together in an adventuring party or whatever. And this is the reverse. We've come up with the community first, and now we have to make a character that fits into that, which in- is, I think, really interesting. Yeah. I, I kind of think that if you made the character first, you might find that the character would not fit in the community. That right? is quite possible. Or, or... I think the other thing could happen is you would try to shape the community around not organically, yeah. but to make it fit yep. what you created yeah. for the character. So in this sense, the the community is more organic, but it, they're not the the gray the grayed out people in the background anymore. No. Um, right. Whereas the players have right. color, they also have. Um, I wouldn't say uh, full color like the players, but they certainly have a, a degree of color to them. Yeah, it's it's impossible to kind of ignore the community and say, oh, we're just focusing on what the player characters are doing because we created the community first. It's tied to every aspect of what we're doing. It's not going to get lost in the background because it is very central to everything we do. Yep, and it's also central to your survival. And I guess without the community, yes. you wouldn't survive. So I can believe that. Mm. So just to round things up, we want to thank everyone for hanging with us during our community creation, and we look forward to seeing you uh, throughout our through our character creation. And we want to send a huge shout out to the World Anvil Publishing for uh, giving us this uh, awesome opportunity uh, to have a game of Dead Air Seasons. Mm-hmm.